All right, hold on. Someone just rang my doorbell twice. I'm going to go see what this is about. Just a sec. All right, just a sec, guys. I got to make sure I didn't let the cat out when I get that. Hold on. Welcome to the Cowbell Fever podcast. We have a two-parter today. First, getting a weather update with meteorologist Ed Leach, and if you recognize that name, there's a good reason, and then checking in with Berkey's staff for last-minute race updates. Fear not, weather watchers, we'll have another check-in next week. Note that the portion with Ben and Christy was recorded on Wednesday afternoon with the weather on Friday, and it should go up on Friday evening. With the weather adding some more excitement to travel and logistics, it's not too late to cut out some complication and have Pioneer Midwest wax your skis. And yes, Pioneer Midwest is owned by Matt Leibsch, and Ed is Matt Leibsch's dad. Get your skis waxed by a team with World Cup experience and a meteorologist on speed dial. If you want to hear more about their wax program, you can go to the archives and listen to episode 43. If you're interested, head to pioneermidwest.com, select their Berkey Race Wax package, and use the promo code PODCAST for a few dollars off. I'll be skiing in a Pioneer Midwest wax job this year, and I expect to go pretty fast. Again, that's code PODCAST at pioneermidwest.com. Also, maybe the weather has you thinking, gee, I don't really want to have to drive in the snow. I wonder if there's a last minute place I can stay. And it turns out there is for you and up to 21 of your friends. A website reader emailed me. They said they'd had a last minute cancellation and asked if I did lodging rental advertisements. Well, I do now. The house is about a 10 minute drive from Hayward. Looks like a pretty nice stay. You can find more at theredwalleye.com. That's theredwalleye.com. And if you do book, tell them we sent you. Today we have uh, another meteorologist on the podcast. You've heard Ketzel Evans before. She is uh, diligently at work making sure that the snow does come to the Northwoods up in the Duluth office of the National Weather Service. But we have uh, Ed Leaped with us. And Ed is, I think, pretty famous in, in some ski circles for posting weather model and weather forecasts online and uh, keeping people prized of that. And is also famous in ski circles for... Um, being the parent of one of the more famous of the uh, Berkey skiers around. Uh, Ed, thanks very much for coming on the podcast and chatting through the weather with us. And before we get to the meat of it, why don't you just tell us what your background is in meteorology and what you've done with that? I did my uh, bachelor's program at St. Cloud State University long before they had a meteorology degree at St. Cloud State. Um, And so I I knew to be a meteorologist, I had to go to grad school. So I ended up going to Penn State. I got a free ride there for... uh, to get my master's in meteorology and that was about 42 years ago i just recently retired about uh two months ago from the long career in uh air, air quality congratulations uh, meteorology so more regulatory based stuff i would occasionally do forecasting on actual projects but not 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 something i was doing routinely i just kind of did it for a hobby for you know my own personal use for a number of years and then uh, Somehow, I got started sending emails to people in my office. Well, then people would retire from my work and want the emails, and then their friends would hear about it, and they wanted to be on it. So uh, my list is only 200-and-some people long right now that I send the emails to, and they get forwarded to uh, who knows how many other people, sometimes multiple times. but uh, another thing that I've done is when it comes to ski racing, because my son Matt is so into that, he's asking me for, you know, whatever he can get for inside information for 
temperatures and, you know, winds and sun or not, you know, so he knows how to wax his own skis. And, and of course, once he got into the ski shop business, then it's getting forecasts that maybe help him to wax a whole bunch of skis for other skiers. Uh, so I've been providing um, advice to him uh, over the years, too. And, of course, he's copied in all my forecasts that are sent out on, on an ad hoc basis because uh, I, I don't do this for a living. I just do it whenever there's something significant. It could be severe weather in the summer or a snowstorm in the winter. But I, I send out forecasts when usually when there's some safety issues potentially involved, people that are traveling in snow, um, I want them to be aware as much as they can. You know, I look at all the models pretty much every day and and then try to make my guesstimates. And uh, I assume the weather models have come quite a ways since you were uh, first in meteorology school back in the 80s. You know, back when I was in grad school uh, doing forecasts, we were uh, getting hard copy plots of all the the model outputs and tacking them up on a large the weather wall up in the, the top floor of the of the meteorology building at Penn State had a huge wall that was, you know, all the maps were tacked up there. So you were looking at hard copy maps, a lot more crude tools back in the early days of my forecasting. When you hear meteorologists say, well, the model prints out X and the model prints out Y, you are actually printing things out. Yes. You're sort of famous in some ski circles as Matt Leach's dad. Matt, of course, uh, owns Pioneer Midwest Ski Shop, and they do race wax service and sell skis and boots and all sorts of things. And he sometimes posts this onto Facebook, and uh, and that's, that's where I saw it. I said, boy, I didn't know Matt's dad was a meteorologist. Just wanted to bring you on with that background to talk about what we're sure. looking at for the next yeah. five or six days, especially leading up to Berkey, maybe not Berkey itself, since that's sort of out on the envelope of what we know since we're still eight days to the race. But it looks like... We have a snowstorm coming in for next week. So what are the latest uh, model trends looking like for that? You know, obviously into this weekend, it's going to be fairly uh, quiet in the Midwest. We're actually going to have maybe a little bit more melting uh, during the day tomorrow and Sunday. Not not a tremendous amount, but we'll get above freezing both of those days here in the Twin Cities and maybe up in Hayward too. Monday, things uh, start to happen. There's a, a clipper that's really not part of the uh, big storm for next week, but an Alberta clipper coming down across uh, northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin on Monday. You know, we might just get a, a dusting uh, coating of snow here, possibly in the cities, but up in Hayward, they could get two to four inches from that clipper system. For people that are skiing the open track on Wednesday, that might be nice to know that they can maybe use their good skis because they'll have a fresh coating of snow down there and, and hopefully it's all groomed up nice by Wednesday. That looks like a not so dry and powdery snow that probably will groom up well into the existing icy base. Yeah, I think so. I, I haven't really looked at the uh, so-called Kuchera ratios for that snow. Yeah, I'm, I'm presuming that, you know, if it happens on Monday, they'll be able to groom Monday night and Tuesday and, and get it in decent shape for Wednesday's uh, yep. open track. And, uh, and actually, Wednesday might be a pretty good day for skiing because there's going to be a break Wednesday morning when there's no snow up there. And then most of the afternoon, it looks like late afternoon is when snow will start to move in up there. It'll move in here a little bit earlier temperatures will be on on the cool side i think they'll start in the upper single digits and probably end up in the mid-teens in the afternoon on wednesday so it should be a fairly easy day for picking wax 
And then the main event comes in on Wednesday evening into Thursday. What is that looking like? Well, up there, again, it's looking like maybe an inch or two only uh, Wednesday overnight, but then it's looking like five to six inches during the day on Thursday. So events, yeah, anything going on Thursday is going to be impacted up there. And, of course, a lot of people are probably traveling up there on Thursday. So, yeah, it could, could be five to six inches of snowfall during the daylight hours on Thursday. And then more Thursday night, obviously, and into early Friday. Does it look like there's going to be more snow further south where people are traveling from? Yes. Uh, the, all the models are tending to put the main axis of heavy snow either through the Twin Cities or just uh, 50, 100 miles south of the Twin Cities or maybe 100 miles north of the Twin Cities. That The models have bounced around a little bit the last couple of days. The GFS had us kind of on the southern fringe of the real heavy snow uh, up until this morning's run when it kind of moved the axis of heavy snow right over the cities or just a hair south. Canadian was very similar where it kind of had the axis pretty much over the Twin Cities. And then the uh, European was the last one to come out early this afternoon. Uh, the 12Z run showed the highest total liquid amount right over the metro at about 1.6 inches of liquid. And, and that would equate to about 24 inches plus of snow if, if the Cochero ratio is in that you know 15 to 18 range, which is what the models are predicting. So it could be a lot of snow. So really quickly, can you go into what Cuchera uh, ratio is? That's the basically the the snow to water ratio. If you have very dry snow, that ratio is going to get up to 20 to 1 or greater, 20 inches of snow per inch of water. If you have very wet snow, it could typically be 8 or 10, so 8 inches of snow or 10 inches of snow. So when that ratio gets high, you end up with real powdery snow. I would characterize this as fairly high ratio so that we're going to have fairly powdery snow. So if, if that verifies, it'll be one of the largest storms potentially in the history of the Twin Cities. Uh, what does that look like for travel on Thursday for people driving or flying in? Yeah, I don't know if the airport's going to be able to keep up with... I mean, usually taking off is more problematic than landing, so I don't know if any flights will get canceled on Thursday. I think Wednesday evening and early Thursday is going to be the worst time for the heaviest snow here in the Twin Cities. And Thursday morning, I think it's going to be tailing off already, but there may still be some blowing and drifting because of the powdery nature of the snow. So probably Wednesday, uh, you know, Wednesday during the day and especially Wednesday evening is going to be the the most difficult in terms of snowfall rates here. I was planning to drive up to the to the Berkey either later on Thursday, early on Friday. If the weather's not too bad, I could make it up early Friday. And it looks like it'll be pretty windy on uh, Wednesday and Thursday as well before it calms down some on Friday. Yeah, I mean, actually up in the Hayward area, the winds are not forecast to be that strong. I mean, Wednesday, we're only talking like 5 to 10 miles an hour. Thursday, it's a little bit stronger at about 10 to 15. So if you're driving up there, if you've got trees on both sides of the road, it's pretty easy to keep your bearings. But sometimes if you get, you know, this ground blizzard effect where there's a lot of snow blowing around, it's easy to, to, to go in the ditch, to go off the road because you just can't see where the road surface is. It's not so much of an issue when you're in the forested areas like the Twin Cities North. And then uh, looking forward just to the race, you know, what are the preliminary race conditions looking like for the Coeur d'Alope on Friday and then the Berkey on Saturday? It's going to be pretty cold, um, so I guess waxing should be fairly easy. It, it, it's really hard to say uh, right now if, if enough high pressure will come in to basically 
cause us to, to go into the temperature inversion conditions where you get really light winds at the ground level and the air tends to pool and get really super cold. Right now, the latest models are not showing that happening. It, it, it could be slightly below zero, but you know, once the, once the storm moves out, I, I think we're gonna get a fair amount of sunshine. So even if it doesn't warm up that much on Friday or Saturday, if the sun is out, um, it, it won't feel that bad, I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think the winds are going to be super strong, but you're not going to be standing around chatting outside, though. It's not going to be like the last couple of years when it's been 30 degrees and sunny and it feels like summer on the lake. Right. Ed, this was great. Thanks for coming on, and have a safe trip up, and um, we'll see you up the race. Sounds good, Harry. Maybe I'll uh, see you face-to-face up there sometime. All right, thanks, Ed. Now we're going to go back in time a couple of days to when it was raining in Hayward. I want to thank Ben and Christy for taking some time out of a very busy schedule with the race coming up and uh, spending a few minutes just chatting with us through what's going on in the race. And uh, you can see out the window there that it was raining, but it looks like you weathered the rain pretty well. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, we got uh, nearly a half inch of rain, if not more, in places. And, you know, it was a lot of snow here, but... uh, you know, it, it, it actually fared fairly well. Um, actually, it was just over at one of our storage buildings where the trail goes through and was able to walk on it. It's completely firmed up already. Um, they were actually already starting to groom it, and it's going to be really nice. Um, in fact, and so, so at the end of the day, there's plenty of snow on the ground. Um, there's a lot of debris in it. You know, we had all that um, debris come down earlier this winter with the heavy snows that are now starting to make its way back up. So there is definitely branches and twigs and and those will continue to get tilled but i think that and there's not a lot of new snow in the forecast it kind of keeps undulating a little bit maybe we might get some maybe not i I would be willing to predict right now if we had the race as it is we would be near setting record times because right it's basically going to be a big snow cone from cable to hayward and so uh, i think the trail's gonna be really great the lake is a little tricky at the moment because so much water sitting on the ice uh, basically, it's taking gotten rid of all the snow. We'll start working on that. It's, it's going to get down to like minus 10 in the next couple of days. So we'll start working on that. and We'll do something, get it kind of chopped up a little bit, and maybe, again, just wicked fast coming across the lake too. But uh, all in all, I think uh, it looks like it's going to shape up to be a pretty darn fast perky. So you get one of those courses where it, as long as it stays cold, and it certainly looks like it's going to, the Berkey Trail is just going to be sort of a thick, thick, icy snowpack that you can till up real well. It might be a little dirty, but that's just going to be chopped up sticks and twigs and pine needles and such. Yep, 100% correct, 100%. And as far as the lake goes, you can kind of till the ice if it's uh, if, if all else fails? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things we can do there. We plowed a couple of bigger windrows of snow, so they kind of weathered on the very edges a little bit, and the rain and the snow mixed with it, it's kind of going to be like uh, even just more snow coney. You know, where they can they can kind of work with that a little bit. So kind of a shaved ice slash a little bit of snow. They'll be a pretty darn good course that they should be able to pair prepare. Long range forecast. Uh, this next weekend, maybe a couple days in the mid thirties, um, thirty four, thirty five. That will literally do nothing in terms of changing what we have. The nice thing with that is that the trail holds up really well, so you won't have the kind of snow plowing shoots that you get when you have some powder on top of ice. Totally agree with that. I think you're 100% right uh, that it holds up better through each of those subsequent days. Super fast, but also very controllable, to your point. It's not like a sheet of ice, a tiller. We'll probably, I would make a guess, we're going to groom it seven to ten times between now and then. 
So it'll be completely re... I know we talked a little more than a month ago, there were some questions about the lake ice. The lake is now thick enough, you can have piston bullies back and forth across it, no problem. Yeah, we groomed it now a few times. Just before the rain came, they went out and tested it again and had driven it back and forth one more time. And actually where we've groomed it, you know, that, that just sort of gets rid of all those layers and just really kind of compacts it down. And so there's there was about 18 to 20 inches of ice on the trail. And, and we'll lose some of that for those last day or two. But uh, at this point in time, we'll get back out there once it freezes. It's now below freezing. So we'll have a ski trail and then uh, sort of ice skating rinks on either side if you want to raise your skates up. Absolutely. As always, Berkey is sort of the culmination of a bunch of events for the winter. I guess Fat Bike Berkey comes afterwards. What have you had so far this winter and how have those events gone? Yeah, we've actually had a really busy winter. Um, we added a few more events in January. So January was packed full of fat biking and skiing. Um, we held the first ever Ski to She, which was really successful, really fun. Um, it was a camp and race for women. Um, Keegan Randall was our keynote speaker there and our special guest. So it was a really inspiring and fun weekend, a women's only race where we had 350 women race 10, 20 and 30 K distances. And um, it was a really good way to end January. Uh, we held a super tour with the Sealy Hills Classic for the first time. So that was really fun to hold a distance point to point 30K super tour. The first time they've done that in a really long time. Um, and a classic sprint up at the Berkey Trailhead. And you had that night race too. How did that go? The Berkey Tour night race was really, really fun. Beautiful weather, a super fast, fun 10K course. People really loved it. It was My a lot was of fun. second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, you have to cheat to get there, Ben? Yeah, kind of, basically. We took the shortcuts. <laughs> Oh, I'll be honest. Yeah, you could do 10K on your own or you could do 20K as a team. And we had quite a few 20K teams uh, sign up at the last minute, and it was really fun. Yeah, no one no one lost their headlamps and got lost out in the woods overnight. For my partner, his headlight went out, and uh, so we ended up skiing just with one the last probably half a lap of the second lap. So it, it was kind of right. It feels a little adventurous, but yet, you know, it's only 20K. And it was a, just a, a hoot, a ton of fun. It was a beautiful night. That sounds like something that would be worth uh, traveling for one of these years, just to, to come up. And I know I've skied up in the Berkey Trail at night, but I've never done it with a lot of people. And having done some overnight races and um, actually a really fun event a few years ago where people biked the course of the Boston Marathon the night before, whenever you're out with a bunch of people with headlamps in the dark, it goes from sort of a kind of scary, creepy experience to a really fun celebration. So I'm sure that was a, a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah it was. And we had Berkey Trail kids there, so we had lots of young kids out on skis and drinking hot chocolate, and it was a lot of fun. And I bet people came dressed for the occasion with all sorts of lights as well, so it probably was a lot of fun, just the spectacle of people out there. Yes. We're getting this super firmed up trail. It's going to get groomed a lot. Does that change at all how you change access to the trail before the race day? I know that you closed it for the last couple of days to let it groom up. It's going to be open this weekend, and then what happens? And then the trail will close again at 11.59 uh, p.m. on Sunday. So Monday, Tuesday um, is, is for our groomers to really focus on the trail. Let's get, we'll get the last minute signage up, um, get the trail perfectly groomed and ready to go for Wednesday's open track. All right, and if people do want to ski during those times, Berkey Ridge is an option, some of the non-Berkey trails up in the north end, as well as Hatchery and... Yeah, we would suggest people go to Berkey Ridge or the Hayward Hospital Trails, Town of Hayward Trails, um, Sealy Hills Trails. Yep. There's a lot of smaller trail trail systems around. Maquanago really and all sorts of places. Week. Timberland, if you're coming up from the cities. Because yep. Timberland's really good. Actually, I'm, I'm biased to the ones in Spooner. The city park trails are really cool. There's about 7K of really fun rolling trails that actually has lights. 
So if it's mm. later at night um, on your yep. way through as well, giving the giving the groomers and the staff the last two days to really know that when they're out grooming, there isn't going to somebody come flying down a hill at them or whatnot is really really important. Even though it seems like people think, oh come on, you know, I really want to get out one last time, but just from a safety standpoint and just making sure that everything's just perfect come Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, that uh, it's just really something that we hope everyone uh, adheres to the rules. Yeah, you know, in the past when all of the events were on Saturday, it was a lot easier to keep the trail open a few more days, but it's really almost a week-long event now. So it used to be Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes even Thursday, but now with the open track, Wednesday is the first big day of the event. To, to get everything ready, we really need the extra days to... Um, with people off of the, the course to make sure that we can get it ready to go. Yeah, and then there's all, also the question, if there is any snow that comes in, you have to either plow it, groom it, or do something to it. So that's another another complication on your end. Yeah, yeah, and adding snow, you know, it provides, it's great, but it also adds more complications for all of the venues and the trail, and that means staff is working even harder and, and more important to let them have their space to get their work done. I will say that if we get four or five inches of snow and then till it up with the nice frozen stuff underneath. That's some of the best conditions where it's firm, but pliable and super fun. But it sounds like it's going to be pretty good almost no matter what happens. It's not going to be thin. It's not going to be too cold, we hope. And it's not going to be the kind of uh, really slow, deep snow that we've seen in some years. Um, you know, there's still well over a foot in a lot of places of, of really good, thick, compact base. So there are no problems tilling it. it. Sounds like the trail is just about the same as last year. I think a lot of things are relatively similar to last year. What has changed? Probably some COVID protocols and what else? Yeah, so we have a new section on the Berkey Classic Trail uh, near the start, which means that the Berkey Classic race will not merge with the skate race on the power lines. Uh, so that's a really, really nice addition to the course. Um, it's nice and gentle uphill, and I think classic skiers are going to really like it. It also means that the classic trail goes from 55 kilometers down to 53 kilometers. Yeah, I think that's really nice. And also for the skaters, it means that there's always a temptation to ski in the classic tracks. And, and, and by temptation, it means that when you have enough people there, people will. Sometimes there's skiers in those tracks. Even though it's wide on the power lines, it's so close to the start that it's pretty busy. Yeah, I think that'll be It'll be everyone will enjoy not having the two races come together right there. So I don't know that we have a whole lot of changes from last year. It's nice that we're really not worried about COVID precautions this year. Um, we have a few new changes on the at the finish line with uh, some of the offerings and amenities that we'll offer uh, participants at the end. Kodiak cakes, granola bars will be at the finish. Um, goo hydration. We'll have Kemp's chocolate okay, milk Okay, I was going to say, if we didn't have the chocolate milk, I was going to raise some concerns because that's one of my favorite things <laughs> is that chocolate milk. That one is stain for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we now have tomato basil soup in the soup tent mm. at the finish for all of those that are vegetarian and or gluten-free. Or if we just want tomato basil, which sounds pretty good. I know. I told them now they have to do grilled cheese sandwiches too, but... I don't think that's going to happen quite yet. <laughs> yeah, can we just get 10,000 grilled cheese sandwiches, please? Yeah, exactly, right? can't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> and then soon you're going to want brats and beers and just give everything away. Right. Yeah, so we. So I think I think downtown's going to be really fun. I think we have some good things happening in the celebration zone. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, people want to stick around and, and kind of celebrate their finish, whichever race that they do, and enjoy some of downtown Hayward. Highly, highly, highly recommend everyone to read the participant guide because there are some nuanced changes. Definitely read the participant guide and, you know, make sure you download all your RTRT, people you want to track, you know, all those things. You can 
And we tried to be more specific with our recommendations this year. So how long will it actually take you to ride a bus from Berkey Ridge to the Cordy start or the Berkey start to help people dial those, the timing issue of things in? A participant guide is smaller than normal, but it's much more concise and succinct. And I think uh, it's a good it's a good thing for everybody to go through. It's never a bad idea on Berkey morning to figure out how long it's going to take you and then add 15 minutes as a buffer. It's kind of like taking an airplane somewhere. Things can go wrong. It can take a few more minutes. You can park at the wrong end of the field. And just giving yourself that buffer so you're not sprinting through to get to your start is always an, an, a nice a nice thing to, to have. And having been on both ends of those spectrums, it's really nice to have the more relaxed start, even if that alarm goes off a few minutes earlier. And it's if you start late, it's okay. Your time won't get penalized. If you are running a little bit late, it's best to just be okay with being a little bit late and start the next available wave and, and your time will be just fine. Yep. Unless you're in the elite wave and that's all gun time and then you're... Then you're out of luck. <laughs> right. Then you really do need to plan and get up early. The bridge has gotten started put together. When is it going up? Uh, they will actually, uh, you know, the snow's come off it. We've got all the tarps off it. Uh, this Friday, they'll actually start to stage some of the parts here in the parking lot out in front of the Berkey office. And then bright and early Monday morning, 6 a.m., they'll, they'll uh, detour goes in and they start putting the bridge up and they've really gotten efficient at it. They get it up in one day now, basically. And then by Tuesday, snow starts going in and uh, Wednesday, there'll be skiers on it. Yep, ready for all the events Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There, I, I saw some calls out on the internet for some volunteers. Um, is there a good clearinghouse where people can go if... If, they, uh, if they're going to be up and able to volunteer, maybe you're skiing a shorter race on Friday and can volunteer on Saturday or the other way around. Yeah, on their website, there is a list of volunteer needs. Um, you just click right into that and it'll show you all of the open volunteer positions for each day. It's organized by day. So if you know that you have some time on Friday or on Thursday, um, just check it out and you'll see what's still available. Inside, outside shifts, um, we're still looking for, we're always still looking for some additional help. Um, so, so check it out and it's a nice way to kind of see the events from the other side of the trail. And, and I think most people have a lot of fun doing that. And you get to go to the volunteer party too, which I've heard is a pretty good time. Exactly. At the steakhouse and lodge, it's a good dinner. So go volunteer and you don't have to just have that tomato basil soup. You can have a whole big dinner. Exactly. And you'll get another hat. Can't so. have too many of those. It's really amazing. I think that, uh, we've seen more and more people will, race one day volunteer the other day or the next day um friday saturday uh, especially and i think they love it i think the idea of getting out and being a part of not only skiing but then you really realize how grateful so many people are for the help that volunteering provides whether it's at an aid station or handing out a bib or soup or gear bags you know, um yeah i i Highly recommended. It's actually pretty darn uh, fulfilling. With the expo this year, is there anything new there, or is it pretty much the same as we've had for the last few years? Um, there's, of course, you know, some new vendors there, um, and a little change in layouts thing. But people will still walk in, go upstairs, and pick up their bib for um, Berkey, Cordy, or Prince Hogan. Um, head back downstairs, walk through the expo. Lots of fun vendors there. It's full again, um, which is pretty normal. Berkey store will be there. Then they pick up their gear bag right before they head out. So lots of new products at Berkey at the Berkey store um, and lots of fun vendors and new sponsors that will be there this year. Some saunas outside. So inside and outside stuff for this year. Sunday, we have the On Snow Expo as normal up at the Berkey Trailhead up in Cable. Correct. And there will be ski demos, bike demos. Um, lots of vendors will be there to um, get you trying their products and you'll have uh, the loops will be groomed up at the 
Berkey starts, so it'll be good skiing there Sunday morning. And as someone whose boots sort of gave up their last gasp at the Berkey last year, it was great to go up and try on some boots that didn't pinch my toes and make my feet hurt. So I, uh, I'm going to be on a new pair this year. Um, anything else that folks should know, or should everyone just get breaking their last plans and head up to uh, head up the Northwoods soon? The idea of, you know, really taking in the week and trying some different things, I'd highly recommend it. And whether you've been to the Berkey Bash, or one of the things that I think is a super cool event is the World Open Breakfast on Friday morning. Um, it's open to everybody, and it's 7.30 to 9. There's a bus that goes directly from the World Open Breakfast to the Cordy Start. So if you want, even at minimum, if you want to have breakfast, it's actually the quickest way to get to the Cordy mm-hmm. Start, honestly. Um, but it really... It, uh, there are speakers like Garrett Kersey who talks about traveling to the World Open races, World Open Masters that get um, some awards, and it's just a really fun event. It's typically 100 to 150 skiers having breakfast at uh, Flat, Flat Creek Eatery. And um, so I recommend something like checking it out. The demo, as you said, is really a ton of fun. And, and then making sure you uh, get yourself downtown and cheer on all the skiers coming in. And we'll be ready for you. Great. Sounds like a lot of fun. And we're excited to come out and be there soon. Thanks very much, Ben and Christy. And thanks to Ed again for the weather report. Also, we want to thank Pioneer Midwest for uh, sponsoring the podcast and their race wax service, which you can get a discount on using the code podcast. And also the redwalleye.com if you're looking for lodging. And again, if that works out for you, Tell them that we sent you. With eight days to the race, you should be able to expect one more podcast on Wednesday with Ketzel Evans, and we'll be talking about what else, the weather. And um, then we'll see you on Main Street. In the podcast, Ari's at his front door. What could it be? What could it be? A what package? Here Amazon? now. Maybe it's wax. It could be a A new race suit just for Berkey. Or a way to staple the goo packets to <laughs> your bib. Thank goodness your hydration drink arrived just in time. Wait a second. I am about to carry six beers. <laughs>